come and identify. And the Bible says he did that so that he would know what it was like to be human, so that he would know what it was like to be tempted and tested. Can I just encourage you this morning? There is nothing that you're going through that Jesus doesn't already know about. That's the God that we serve. Let's, let's pray. God, we thank you that you sent us a king of kings, a lord of lords, a king above all kings. But even though he is the king of kings, he didn't think it was robbery. He didn't think that it was not worth it to empty himself and to come down and walk on earth as a human being for 33 and a half years to walk so that he would know what it's like to be human, so he would know what it's like to cry, so that he would know what it was like to be betrayed, so that he would know what it was like to be lied on, so that he would know what it was like to be left behind, so that he would know what it was like to live on the margin, so that he would know what it was like to be disregarded, so that he would know what it was like to live under oppression, so that he would know what it was like to see injustice, that God, you did all that so that you can identify with our struggle. And so we are so thankful that you are a God who doesn't just sit somewhere up in the cosmos and looks down and leaves it up to ourselves to figure this thing out. But you saw what we needed and you abandoned heaven so that you can come here to be human. That's what we celebrate this week, the birth of a king, the birth of God in the flesh. So God, we are so thankful that the word says that Jesus is sitting on your right hand making intercession for us, saying to you, Father, God, I know what it's like. I know what it's like to be them. I know why they're struggling. I know why they're hurting. I know why they struggle with obedience because I was there. I know what it's like to live where they live. I know what it's like to struggle through what they're struggling. So, Father, forgive them because I've walked in their shoes. God, we thank you wrapping yourself up in human flesh so that you can identify with us so that when it was time for us to give ourselves over to something bigger than ourselves we could have confidence that we are giving ourselves over to a God who gets us who understands what it's like to cry tears at night that nobody knows that we cry who knows what it's like to sit at the very table with someone that you know is going to reject you and love them anyway God, you did that for us. And so on this week, let us not rush past the significance of this celebration. That thousands of years ago, a bundled up baby in Bethlehem was born, not just so we could learn how to behave, but so that we can learn how to be loved and how to belong to you. God, we thank you for that. We love you so much for coming to be one of us so that we can, in our following you, be more like you. God, we thank you, we love you, we worship you, and we praise you. We pray this name, this in the mighty, matchless name of Jesus the Christ. Let the church say amen, amen, amen and amen. So we are in the fourth. Sunday of Advent, and so we've asked the Vernon family to come this morning and to lead us in lighting the candle of hope. All right, good morning, church. Today's reading is from Luke chapter 1 verses 26 through 38. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. Gabriel appeared to her and said, Greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. Confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. Don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her, for you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be very great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David, and he will
will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. Mary asked the angel, but how can this happen? I am a virgin. The angel replied, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby to be born will be the Holy and he will be called the Son of God. What's more, your relative Elizabeth has become pregnant in her old age. People used to say she was barren, but she has conceived a son and is now in her sixth month. For the word of God will never fail. Mary responded, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. And then the angel left her. Last Sunday, we lit the candle of hope. Remembering the, remembering the hope which comes in Christ, the candle of peace, remembering God's dream of a peaceful world, and the candle of joy, remembering the spirit within us who brings us joy. Today, we light the fourth candle of Advent, the candle of love. Scripture tells us there is no fear in love, for perfect love casts out fear. 1 John chapter 4, verse 18. God created this world in love, and in this world will end in the love of God. God's love pervades all aspects of his life, from birth to death, pain to delight, strangers to lovers, God's love is there. We light this candle in love. On this day, we remember God is love. Are you listening? Mary, I've said it once, so I'll say it again. I can do two things. Two things at once, yes, I know. Uh, but we really need to talk. And Joseph? Yeah? I need you to listen. I am listening so hard right now. I, you can't even imagine how much I'm, I'm concentrating on, on you and... Words. I'm overwhelmed by your concentration. Can you, can you just stop for a second, please? Mary, I would love to stop for a second, but I can't. Why not? We're gonna be married soon, and I just, I just want everything to be perfect. Joseph, I love your heart. I really do, but you know, not everything has to be perfect, and that's okay, because we don't know what life is gonna throw at us. You know? Right, but I, I still want a house worthy of you, and, and to do that, I, I, I've got to work, because a man's... Man has got, got to have a plan. Have I mentioned that before? A time or two. And Mary, I have so many plans for us. This table, this is where we're gonna have our meals together, and, and, and I've made it big enough for, for to seat some little ones, for down the road, of course. About that. Where did I put that chisel? Joseph, I need to tell you something. Something... Something unbelievable. Did I put it in that shelf? I was visited by... By an angel. Yeah? And he, he told me that I was highly favored. Mm-hmm. And it all felt... It felt like a dream until he... He told me something. The instant he said it, I knew that it was true. I just used it. I just had it. Joseph, are you listening to me? Yeah, that, that sounds really great. Joseph. Got it. I'm pregnant. Tri-Cities Church. If this is your first time with us, let me just say before we jump in, welcome. We are so thankful that you chose to join us, and if you could do uh, me a huge favor, in front of you there's something called a connection card. If you can fill that out, if it's your first, second, maybe third time, and maybe you've been with us and never filled one out and you're just visiting, just let us know that you were here with us, and then when you fill that out, if it's your first, second, third time, never filled out, 
a card on your way out where it says next steps in the back. You can drop that gift, that card off to get a free gift just for us to say that we appreciate you joining us. There are plenty of awesome churches in this area to worship. We think we're one of the best, and so we are thankful that you chose to join us. If this is your first time with us or if you've been out uh, for the last couple of weeks, we are in the middle of a series, or really at the end, rather, of a series called Our Coming Savior. And we are celebrating, taking the time out this year to celebrate Advent. And so if you haven't been here, I would encourage you to do this. You can pull out your phone right now. If you have a smartphone, go to your app store, search Tri-Cities Church, T-R-I-Cities. You can download that. It's absolutely free. Listen to all the messages in this series because they've sort of built up every week. And then let me remind you also of our Christmas Eve service on Christmas Eve at 6 p.m. Be here Bring somebody with you because we're going to end this uh, five-part series on Christmas Eve. And if you haven't listened, I'm going to encourage you to go back and listen as we've gone through every week and talked about the different aspects of Advent and what Christ has come to bring to us. Make sure you go back and listen to that. And so today we lit the candle of love, and I want to just sort of tie that into uh, also the, uh, this idea of hope. Now, let me start here. Uh, with, with this question, I'm going to see how many people in here are going to tell the truth. How many have got all your Christmas shopping done? Okay, for the rest of y'all, I'm going to pray for a spirit of procrastination. <laughs> Let me raise my hand because I know I haven't got all my Christmas shopping done. So y'all pray for me too. A couple years ago, um, because I learned about Christmas, it's all about expectations and there's so many things that we expect there's there's things that we have to get done and some of you are busy you know what it's like you got meals to plan you have things to try to figure out and so there's expectations and a couple of years ago I actually uh, googled this because I wanted to know what are some of the the worst Christmas gifts because here's the thing I learned about Christmas is you can buy somebody a gift but in their mind whether they tell you this or not they have something that they're expecting. Y'all know that? And so you might not have ever communicated about what it is that you want. You know how it is every year, husbands and wife. What do you want for Christmas? Oh, babe, I don't want nothing. You know how it is. And then you don't get anything and you were expecting something. So I said, I want to know what are the worst Christmas gifts. And this is maybe two years old. L listen to this list, and I'm going to pray that you, if you bought any one of these things for somebody that you love, just look straight ahead and act like I'm not talking about you. Number one, worst Christmas gift, this was an actually legitimate list, scented candles or fragrances. Okay, look, look straight, don't drop your head, now they know you bought that for them. You still got time to go get them something else, take that back. Here's the other one, gym membership or workout gear. Now, we all know that if somebody gets you a gym membership for Christmas or your birthday, they're trying to tell you something. So if you got that for anybody, you still got time. Here's the third one, cookware. Now, when I first got married, I thought that was actually a good gift until I realized that buying a gift that implies work is not a gift. So, uh, ladies, I know that you feel like buying a new lawnmower is, is a blessing, but that, that's just more work. You're implying that I need to cut the grass. Here's the fourth thing, cleaning supplies or a cleaning service. Do not bless somebody this Christmas with a gift certificate for a cleaning service because what you're low-key saying is your house is nasty. <laughs> Here's the last one. I couldn't believe this when I saw this. Y'all ready? You didn't put it up there yet. <laughs> I couldn't believe that people actually... <laughs> hair extensions or wigs. Not a good gift. I know you all in the family have been secretly talking about her edges, but don't get her a wig or any kind of hair extensions. That's not a good gift. Because here's what I learned, that no matter what you're planning to do, on the other end of that, the recipient has a set of expectations. And so that's why sometimes it's difficult to try to be a blessing to people because you're trying to do your best without giving away what they want. If you're really good about it, you've been listening all year to little hints they've been dropping. But if you're like me and Joseph in that video, you're not really paying attention to nothing that anybody's saying. And so you're just shooting in the dark. Here's what you got to know. And this is for my fellas. 
No matter what you get, know that there's something that she actually does want. There's expectations. And that's kind of this, this story that we're dealing with. And Mary and Joseph, we already read it, but I wanted to read it again. Remember, we're just trying to take time to listen through the Christmas story. L- listen to this again, even though we, we, we just listened to it. Listen to it again. In the sixth month, Luke chapter 1, verse 26 through 38, in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent an angel, the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. And she was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph. Let me put a pause in that because our translation leads us to believe that it's sort of an engagement like how we get engaged in the 21st century. Okay, so let me clear that up, that legally Mary and Joseph were married, that their engagement, that I said this before, that in those days and in that culture, they had arranged marriages. The families would get together and the, the fathers would talk and they'd say, you know what, I think my boy is good for your daughter. And the moms would get together and say, some of y'all looking like, why would you do that? I don't want nobody. Come on now, you didn't pick good the first time. That's why you messed up. <laughs> you might need some help helping you pick who you, in your life, who's in your circle. And so they would help each other pick who was going to be in their life. And then there would be what's called a dowry. There would be some kind of gift that was given to the bride's family. And then after the deal was sealed, there was a dowry, and the father shook hands. And from that point forward, there was a covenant. They were married. But in their culture, it was up to a year before they could live together and consummate the marriage. I got some kids in here. So before they could consummate the marriage, there had to be a preparation time. So what you saw in the video was Joseph saying, I got to get ready because I got up to a year to get my house ready to take you in as my wife. Even though they were legally married, they didn't live together, they didn't consummate the marriage. And the man had the responsibility of preparing his home to bring in his wife. And that period of time was usually somewhere around a year. So when it says that they were engaged to be married, that's why sometimes it gets confusing because later on, if you read the story, it says that he decided to divorce her. So if you ever wonder why, how is he going to divorce somebody who's not married? Because legally they were married. Luke goes on to say that Gabriel appeared to her and said, Greetings, favorite woman. The Lord is with you, confused and disturbed. Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. Don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her, for you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus, and he will be very great. And we'll be called the son of the most high. The Lord will give him the throne of his ancestor David, and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. And Mary asked the angel, but how can this happen? I am a virgin. And the angel replied, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the most high will overshadow you. So the baby to be born will be holy, and he will be called the son of God. What's more, your relative Elizabeth has become pregnant in her old age. People used to say she was barren, but she has conceived a son and is now in her sixth month. For the word of God will never fail. Mary responded, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. And the angel left her. Side note, this is not even in my notes. Have you ever noticed that in the Bible when God calls women, they just cool with it? Like, guys, we need fire and earthquakes. You remember Moses? God had to light a bush on fire to get his attention. You remember Elijah? There was earthquakes and whirlwinds. Every time he calls a woman, she just said, be it unto me. And I'm like, I need faith like that. He says that this something extraordinary is about to happen here, Mary. That you're about to be with child. But how many of you know that even before Mary was expecting her and Joseph were expecting. They had a whole set of expectations. That even before she realized she was expecting Jesus, they were expecting a certain kind of life. They were expecting a certain journey. They were expecting a certain trajectory. They were expecting a certain vision for themselves. They had it all figured out. Is there anybody else in here like me, type A personality, where you have your to-do list and you got to get everything done and every day you wake up and you got a list of expectations. This is how the day is going to go and this is how I want it to be and this is how the day is going to end and by 25 I should be able to do this and by 40 I should have that. Come on now, am I the only one in here that has expectations? And even before she was expecting, they were expecting. They were expecting to get married. They Expected their plans to work. Come on now, if you have plans, nobody plans something that they don't expect to work. What, what you know about Mary and Joseph is that 
they were following the protocol. They were following the process. They were following what was expected of them. Because remember I told you that the families got together, they made a covenant, and Joseph was getting his house ready, and they didn't live together. They were following the process. Okay, some of y'all, maybe you're feeling where I'm going because there's some of us where we try to live our life and do our best to follow a process, to have a plan, to have expectations, to have my to-do list, that I have everything under control, only to find out that I got something that I wasn't expecting. And even before she was expecting, they had a whole set of expectations about what was going to happen. I mean, you got to understand something about Joseph. We'll read about his side of the story in a minute. I don't know if you knew this. Joseph was a carpenter. In those days, a carpenter was more than just somebody who worked with wood. It was more of a stonemason. And so he would work with bricks and stone. And, and, and in order to be a carpenter, watch this, you had to be calculated. Anybody here work with your hands? You know how to build stuff. Your boy don't know how to build nothing. Paul, I know you know how to build. Anytime I need something built, I ask Paul. Paul knows how to build stuff. And everybody knows this, even if you don't know how to build anything. When, you, when you're building something, you have to be calculated. You have to do what? Measure twice, cut once. Everybody knows that, even if you don't know how to build anything. So can you imagine Mary and Joseph? They're following the process. They have a plan. They have a set of expectations. And Joseph, you know he's really calculated because he does this for a living. He measures everything. He anticipates every move. He's getting his house prepared. That's what he does for a living. He was calculated, and they both had a set of expectations because they were following the process. How many of you here have ever decided, you know what, I'm going to try to do this the right way this time. I'm going to do it the way that it's supposed to be done. Come on now. You know there are some days in the past where you try to take some shortcuts, but have you ever found yourself following the process, measuring everything carefully, making sure you're anticipating every turn, only to find out that now you've got to plan for something that you didn't plan for? Yeah, I know you would feel me on that because some of you got a plan for some stuff that you didn't plan for, that they had expectations that this is how our life is going to go. We're engaged. We got a year. We're going to prepare. They measured everything. They calculated everything. They knew where their life was heading. They knew the trajectory. Come on now. We're going to have kids at this age. We're going to finish college at that age. Our kids are going to do these activities. We're going to do all that. And then all of a sudden, something interrupted their expectations. You ever had your expectations interrupted? what you wanted, what you've been working for, what you've been praying for, perhaps even what you've asked God for, and God seems to be the person. See, it's one thing when somebody else interrupts what you've been expecting. It's one thing when it's family that's interrupting what I was expecting. It's one thing when you feel like maybe it's the devil, you know, because, you know, all of us, something happens, we always blame it on the devil. But what do you do when God is the one who's interrupting your expectations? What do you do when you had it all measured and all, and all figured out and all planned out and things were supposed to go this way and, and we were going to do this and we were going to vacation here and the kids were going to grow up and do this and they were going to go to this type of school and this is the type of family we were going to raise. And then all of a sudden, God becomes the reason why your expectations are shattered. And before she was expecting, they had expectations. We thought it was going to go a certain way. We calculated, we measured, we played, we planned, we, we prepared, and we followed the process only to get something unexpected. So I learned something about uh, expectations. I want to share with this with you. Uh, parents, this is going to be good because most of us, we have a set of expectations, and if truth be told, what motivates us to do anything is there's this thing called expectation theory. That There's this theory that says, these are the things that motivate people to do anything, that these are the things. You, you probably miss it in the text because God has just interrupted their expectations. But here are the things that get us to do the things that we often don't want to do. This is what Victor Vrom says in expectancy theory. He says that individuals have different goals, but everybody can be motivated by the following. Here's my question. How does God motivate you to do something when he's interrupted something that you wanted to do? That's a good question because there's some stuff I want to do with my life, God, and here you come messing up my plans, so you got to give me some kind of motivation to obey you, to follow you, to do what you ask to do. I want to be like Mary. I want to say, be it unto me. How do we find ourselves being motivated? This is what Victor Fromm says. He says, number one, in order to motivate people, there's got to be positive correlation between efforts and performance. In other words, if I'm going to put some effort into this, something positive has got to correlate with that. That's what 
motivates it. That's what he says, that you're going to have a child, and here's what's going to happen. I know I've just ruined all of your plans, but if you do what I'm asking you to do, as difficult as it is, something positive is going to happen. Here's the second thing Brahm says. He says that in order for there to be motivation, there must be favorable performance where results in a desirable reward, that results in a desirable reward. In other words, you don't do something unless the reward is desirable to you. Come on, let's be honest. The thing that motivates you to push past a sense of hopelessness is if you feel like as bad as this is, on the other end, there's going to be a reward, but it's got to be something that motivates you. He says that you're going to have a son, and he's going to be very holy. Here's the a, here's a, a third thing that Victor Rome says. He says that the reward will satisfy an important need. In order for me to be motivated, the reward itself has to satisfy an important need. It's got to be something that I need. Did you catch what God says, that he was going to save the world? I know you don't think you need this, but if you follow this plan, in the end, it's going to satisfy something that you need down in your soul. Here's the fourth thing that Brahm says. He says, the desire, in order to be motivated, the desire to satisfy the need is strong enough to make the effort worthwhile. See, I think that's the part where we get hung up, isn't it? The, the desire to satisfy the need has to be strong enough to make the effort worthwhile. Why does Mary say to God, I'm all in? Because God makes her a promise that this is going to be difficult. Everything that you expected and wanted out of life has just changed. But if you do it this way, it's going to satisfy a greater need that you have in your life. How many of you know that while you have a set of expectations and they're real and it's stuff that you want, sometimes God, watch this, will interrupt your expectations and have you start to expect something different because what he has for you is always better than whatever it is that you tried to plan. God doesn't go backwards. So can I help you understand something? Because some of us right now are struggling with something. We are having to plan for something that we didn't plan for. We are now have a new set of expectations. But can I tell you, anytime God gets involved in your plans, you best be assured that whatever God is up to is infinitely better than whatever it is that you were expecting. He says, you're going to have this, this baby. And I know this is an interruption for you and Joseph. And so, so now that I've given you the news, Mary, and you're, you're motivated to move forward with my plan for your life, now I've got to talk to your boy, Joe. Here it is, Matthew chapter 1, verse 18 through 24. This is Joseph's side of the story. This is how Jesus the Messiah was born, Matthew says. His mother, Mary, was engaged to be married to Joseph, but before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of of the Holy Spirit. Joseph, to whom she was engaged, was a righteous man and did not want to disgrace her publicly, so he decided to break the engagement or break the covenant or break the marriage quietly. Some versions say he decided to divorce her. As he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child within her has, was conceived by the Holy Spirit, and she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. And all of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through his prophet. Look. The virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. When Joseph woke up, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded and took Mary to be his wife. Okay, I've confessed this before. I'm going to confess it again. I told you all I'm nosy. Not with your stuff. People are going to start defriending me now on Facebook. I'm nosy when it comes to the Bible because I've been wanting to know stuff the Bible don't tell me. We, we know Mary got a message that she's expecting, and all your expectations now have changed because you're expecting something different. And we know that Joseph had to have a visit from an angel to convince him not to quit her, but how did he find out she was pregnant? So the Bible don't tell us this, but this is just conjecture, okay, in my sanctified imagination. I can imagine Mary texting, hey, Jay, we need to, I need to holler at you. All right, I'll be right over there. He gets to the house. 
He says, sit down for a second. You know, when anybody tells you to sit down, you know they're about to drop something on you. And then she proceeds to say, see, what had happened was. <laughs> Y'all know, anytime, if you don't know what that's called for, anything that comes after that is about to be some foolishness. And I can imagine she sat him down and said, I don't know, it doesn't tell us how he found out. All we know is that he found out and he was going to quit her. And I can imagine she said, you know, I'm, I'm pregnant. And, and like anybody who's, who's engaged or married to someone, you find out that there's been some infidelity. I can imagine he was irate. And then she had, watch this, the audacity to tell him that this is God's baby. Now what now? That's God's baby, huh? Okay, cool. All right, no, no, I'm cool. You all right? No, I'm cool. I just need to take a walk. I'm cool. No, it's straight. I believe you. It's God's baby. It's, I'm all in. I'm good. And something happened because the text says God had to get an angel to go to Joseph to convince him not to quit her. Something happened. So you got Mary on one side, she's got a set of expectations. Joseph's got a set of expectations. And both of their expectations are shadowed. And can I just tell you, whenever you find yourself, and some of you are here right now, wherever you find yourself struggling with expectations that you don't feel will no longer be met, when your expectations are being changed, you find ways to create an exit strategy. You know what I'm talking about. I had a set of expectations for this. I had a set of expectations for that. I had a set of expectations for them. And it's not working out the way that I want. And whenever I don't get what I expect, come on now, it's human nature. When I don't get what I expect, I start creating an exit strategy. Joseph was ready to bail on this relationship. And can we be honest? He had every right, based on what he was expecting, to end the relationship. And God said, no, 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 here's, here's what I want you to understand. That there's... Something I want you to, to be thinking about. I don't know if you all caught this, but this is always blowing my mind. I'm going to read it again, Matthew 1. I'm just going to read 19 and 20 again. It says, Joseph, to whom she was engaged. Remember, he's got the news now. This is before the angel. He was a righteous man. So Joseph did what was right. He didn't say that he was, he was a loser. Joseph was a guy who did what was right. He was planning. He was calculating. He was praying. He was measuring. He was preparing his house for his wife. We had an agreement. And it says, Joseph, who was a righteous man, did not want to disgrace her publicly. So even though in his eyes she's done wrong, he's still trying to do right by her. So he decided to break the engagement quietly as he considered this. Okay, some of y'all just missed that. It said he decided, but he was still considering. Okay, some of y'all. Anybody in here flaky like me where I decide stuff? And I'm still thinking, come on now, I'm not the only one who said, I'm done with him, I'm done with her, I'm done with this situation, but maybe I need to do something different. And he says, he decided it, but he was still considering. He decided, I'm done, Mary, I quit you, I'm done with this whole situation, but it says that he decided, but he was still considering. Can I just suggest this to you? Because here's what that says to me about living this life of hope, that there's some stuff that God should be able to influence you to change your mind about. Okay, so now I'm just going to speak this. Maybe two or three of y'all, there's some stuff right now, I don't know what it is, that you have already decided. You haven't said this out loud. You've been saying it in your heart. I'm done with this. I'm done with this. I'm tired of them. I'm tired of her. I'm tired of this. And you've already quit in your heart. But can I just tell you something? When you have hope, hope will keep you from quitting on stuff that God's not done with yet. And it said that he had decided, I'm done with this situation. This is too much to handle. I'm sick and tired of how people have been treating me. I'm sick and tired of this job. I'm sick and tired of this relationship. And he had already decided. But when God shows up, you need to allow him to influence you to change your mind. There is some stuff that you're willing to walk out on that God says, I'm not done with that yet. Don't you quit. Don't you give up. Don't you See, hope is saying, even though I don't want to. I trust God enough to not quit on something that God is saying he's not done with. I'm done, but as long as God's not done, I'm going to hang in there. Amen. Mary and Joseph had their expectations shattered. It says that he had already decided it, but the angel 
convinced him to change his mind. So can I just ask you a few questions as we enter the end of the year, and I'm going to bowl down your lane. I'm going to drive up on your front porch, read your mail, and drink all your Kool-Aid. Here's what I want to ask you. Is obedience enough motivation for you? Because here's what I learned over the course of this year, that it's not obedience unless you do it when you don't want to. See, I've been fooling myself to say, I I obey God, but truth be told, most of the stuff that I have done over the course of my life, I did it because I actually wanted to do it. But what happens when you and God disagree? Who wins? Mary and Joseph didn't agree with God's plan. My question to you is, is there stuff that you're ready to quit on because you disagree with what God is doing but it's obedience enough motivation for you to do it anyway. Can you find joy in just being obedient? Can I be happy that God is happy that I did it even though I didn't want to? And Joseph had every right to quit. And Mary had every right to say, God, I don't want to do this. Why don't you find somebody else? And their expectations were shattered. And my question is, when you and God disagree, do you have enough hope in his holiness? Do you have enough hope in his faithfulness? Do you have enough hope and trust in his resume that even when it doesn't feel like something you want to do, when you're ready to throw in the towel, do you have enough hope in God's character to say, I'm going to do it even though I don't want to. I'm going to obey even even though it hurts. I'm going to hang on in there even though I want to throw in the towel. Joseph had every right to quit, but God changed his mind. My question is, can God change your mind about some stuff? Because the truth be told, I'm not really following Christ until we run into an impasse where he and I disagree and I give him the influence to change my mind about stuff I don't want to do. That's hard. That's tight, ain't it? That's hard. That's hard. But I found in my own personal life, I'm not really being a follower of Christ unless I'm willing to do stuff I don't want to do. Joseph and Mary had all of their expectations shattered. What what trips me out is that there's sort of this thing going on now. I don't know if you, you guys have followed it where everybody's talking about, you know the song, Mary, did you know? You know, Mary, did you know? Y'all know the song, right? And everybody's talking about, of course she knew. The angel told her. I said, you know, to some degree I think she knew. He kind of gave her the big picture. But come on now. Well, there's some stuff that God asked you to do that you know he's asked you to do, but you don't know all the stuff that that's going to require. Like, yes, yeah, she knew that the Holy Spirit was going to help her conceive. Yes, yeah, she knew that he was going to be the son of God. But, but did she know how people were going to treat her baby? Did she know how, how people were going to turn their back on did, did she know how brutal and gruesome the cross will be? I don't think she knew that all of that, and, and we can debate that. But to me, that's really not the thing that we need to debate. I want to know not what Mary knew about Jesus. I want to know what Mary knew about Joseph. Like, I think about this. And again, this is not in the text. It's just conjecture. Y'all give me some room here. I wonder, like, after everything worked out and they escaped Herod and Jesus was growing up, I wonder if Joseph... And Mary was just sitting around one day, and he just told her, girl, you don't even know I almost quit you back in the day. <laughs> like, like, have you ever been in a situation with somebody, and you're just looking at them, and they don't know that they were about three seconds away from getting it. They were about three seconds away from you. Okay, here's how you know when you've allowed hope to capture your heart. Because there's some stuff that I wanted to do to you if it wasn't for Jesus. Okay, some of y'all just missed that. If it wasn't for the fact that I had hope in Christ, I would have cussed you out a long time ago. If it wasn't, okay, don't look at the preacher like that. You know you got the same issue. If it wasn't for Jesus, there's some folks that you would have cut off a long time ago. That's how you know he's working. People say, how do you know God is real? How is he working in your life? Because there's some stuff I want to say to you, he won't let me. There's some stuff that I want to do. There's, people don't even know. If it wasn't for Jesus, baby, me and you, as Bernie Mac said, there would have been some furniture moving. Like, I've, I've been saved, but I've only been saved about half of my life. So there's still another half of Lamar BC I keep in my back pocket just in case. I tell people I'm saved. I learned how to put on a suit and a tie. I ain't always been saved. Your boy came from off the corner. If it wasn't for Jesus, 
there's a whole lot of stuff that would have happened to you that you have no idea about. That's how you know that you got hope because I'm trusting more in God than my ability to correct you. I wonder if she ever knew that Joseph said, girl, if it wasn't for Jesus, me and you would have never even stuck together. Okay, can I just say this? Some of y'all right now are willing to walk out on some stuff that God's not done with, but can I just encourage you, let Jesus get in between. There's some stuff, watch this, that when you have a hope in Christ, it'll keep you from walking away from stuff that God is intending to use to bless you in the future. If it wasn't for Jesus, there would be a whole lot of stuff that I would have done. There would have been a whole lot of mistakes that I would have made. There would have been a whole lot of turns that I would have took if it wasn't for Jesus. Okay, can we have church? Is there anybody else in here that knows that there's some stuff that would have went down in your life, but had it not been for the grace of God activating your life, had it not been for some wisdom, had it not been for you taking the time to pray, had it not been for you coming to church to hear a sermon, had it not been for God, Where would you have been if it wasn't for Jesus? See, hope will capture your heart in such a way that stuff that you don't even want to do, stuff you want to quit, God will encourage you and influence you. Hang on in there. I wonder, like, well, how do they they work that out? Because I'm sure there will be times where she got on his nerves and he was like, man, you don't even know. Come on now, you know you got those coworkers that they don't even know that they almost got it. Baby, if it (laughs) wasn't. Woo! You know how it is when you got to go to the restroom like, oh, Jesus, 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 Jesus. Jesus, you have no idea that Jesus just saved your life. But that's what hope does to you. It, it captures your heart. I love what Solomon says in Ecclesiastes. He talks about the fact that this, this whole thing is this hope. It's the expectation that God gives that replaces sometimes our expectation. Listen to what he says in Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 9 through 13. He says, what do people get for all their hard work? Doesn't it feel like that sometimes? Like we, we measure, we plan, we pray, we follow the protocol. We're trying to get married. What do we get for all that, God? All you did was come in and mess it all up. He says, what do people get for all their hard work? I have seen the burden God has placed on us all. Yet God has made everything beautiful for his own time. He has planted eternity in the human heart. But even so, people cannot see the whole scope of God's work from beginning to end. So I concluded there is nothing better than to be happy and enjoy ourselves as long as you can. And people should eat and drink and enjoy the fruits of their labor, for these are gifts of God. Some of y'all miss what Solomon says. He says that God has planted in the human heart eternity. You know what that means? It means that God has put something in us. You know, he said he only gave it to humans. Out of all the stuff that he created, he didn't give it. See, some of y'all, this is why I roll my eyes sometimes when you talk about your pets. I, I, love, I love pet people, but you're sitting home. Can I just burst your bubble? Your dog is not thinking about what he's going to do tomorrow. I'm, I'm, I hate to burst your bubble. He's not. He just lives for the day. He don't have no plans. He's not measuring. He's not calculating anything. He don't care about what's going to happen. All he knows is at some point today, you're going to come home and feed him. <laughs> but he says that God gave us, human beings, this gift, eternity. It is this ability, watch this, to see past the here and now. What does that mean? That God has given you a gift. That no matter how hard it gets, if you use this gift called hope, you can see past your present pain. You can envision what your life will be like when this is over. That's a gift because that means that now I can always look at my circumstance and be willing and be motivated to hang on in there. Why? Because God says, I'm about to interrupt your expectations, but if you believe in me, then you can see past how hard it is right now and you can have a hope for what is to come. Some of us, can I just tell you, you cannot have control and hope at the same time. You can structure your heart for control. I need to have every T crossed and every I dotted. Or you can structure your heart for hope. But you can't have both. They cannot coexist together. Watch this without doing damage to your soul. And the reason why I'm so conflicted is because I want to believe that God's word is true, but I want to control everything. And I'm restless and angry and hopeless and all the candles that we lit. I have no peace. I have no joy. I have no love. I have no hope. Why? Because you cannot structure your heart and your life for control and still trust God. 
Mary, I'm about to wreck your world. Joseph, I'm about to mess up all your calculations and measurements. The question is, do you trust me? Can you have hope even though what you're dealing with is difficult? One of the things that I saw not too long ago, uh, somebody posted, maybe like a year ago. They said, uh, what movie, some of y'all have seen this, that when it comes on TV, no matter what you're doing, you'll stop and watch it. I got two of them. The first one I can't tell you because you'll judge me. The, the second one is, is Tombstone. Okay, y'all want to hear the first one? Coming to America. I don't care. I don't care. I don't care what's on TV. Y'all know what I'm talking about. She's your queen to me. Okay, Okay, all right. Y'all be spiritual now, I guess. Be spiritual. I don't care what I'm doing. I'm stopping. I'm watching that movie. Here's the second one, Tombstone. Some of y'all have seen it before. It's about Wyatt Earp. I'm not really a Western guy, uh, but, but I love that movie because uh, there's this point where Wyatt Earp, he had retired from, from law enforcement. He didn't want to get involved, and they moved to a town. They just wanted to chill and, and be with their family. And then you remember these guys called the, the cowboys. They wore the red sashes, and they would come in, and they would just terrorize communities. And, and they said, Wyatt Earp, we need your help. He said, no, 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 I don't want to do that anymore. I've retired from that. And then uh, they, they killed some of his family. I believe they, they, they killed his wife. They killed some of his family. They killed his brother. And, and then Wyatt Earp decided that he had had enough of the enemy terrorizing his community. Okay, some of y'all know where I'm going. And he decided that I'm going to go after them. And you remember the part where, okay, let me see. I got some kids in here. Okay. You remember the part where he sends a message back to them, and he says, you tell them I'm coming, and I'm bringing Hades with me. You know what I'm talking about? Can I just tell you? Hope is your biggest weapon against the tyranny of the enemy. That you go back today and look in the mirror and you tell the devil, you tell your problems, you tell your circumstances, I'm coming for you and I'm bringing my hope with me. Is there anybody in here that knows no matter how bad it looks, no matter how bad it feels, no matter how bad my expectations have been shattered, we have a hope and his name is Jesus. And everything that has been pushing against you, you tell them I'm coming for you. And I'm not coming by myself. I'm coming with the king. And God says, and he says, I know this has shattered your expectations. I know there's some stuff, watch this, that you wanted to have happen this year and it didn't happen. I know there's some stuff that has happened to you this year that you didn't plan for. And I know it's rough, and I know it shattered all your expectations, and I know it's hard. But in the end, God says this to both Mary and Joseph. I'm about to rock your world, and it's going to get difficult, and they're going to try to kill your baby, and you're going to have to go on the run, and everything's going to be difficult. But I'm sending you my son, and his name is, watch this, Emmanuel. That means God is with me. You know what? You know how? hope can capture your heart is when you believe that come hell or high water, no matter what I'm going through right now, no matter how my expectations have been shattered, the one thing I know for sure, God is with me. That moves you and motivates you to do anything that God asks you to do, no matter how much you dislike it. No matter how uncomfortable it is, when you realize, no matter what happens, here's the one thing I know is true. God is with me. Let's pray. God, we thank you for this opportunity. God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the fact, God, that you are a God who sometimes shatters our expectations. But because you're a God that never goes backwards, you never do anything to us. You never interrupt any plan. You never shatter any expectations because in the end it's going to be worse. God, when you step in and interrupt our plans, the only possible result is that it will be better than what we could ever imagine. 
So God, give us faith and give us hope and peace and joy and love as we navigate the in-between seasons where our expectations have been shattered. Keep us motivated to obey you even when we don't want to do it. Because you never ask us to do something so that it can make our life worse. You only ask us to obey you because you know on the other side of our obedience, on the other side of adjusting our expectations, on the other side of recalculating our life, on the other side of going, getting away from our plans and focusing on you, on the other side of that, no matter how difficult it may be, there's always something better in store. So God, I pray right now for the people who are under the sound of my voice who have walked through this year and some things that they wanted to have happen didn't happen. And some stuff that they didn't want to happen has happened. You've shattered expectations, God. You've changed up the story. You, you've engrafted us into a bigger story. And it doesn't always feel comfortable. And I don't always like it, and I don't always want to do it. But God, give us the hope to know that your word is true, that your character is solid, your resume is stellar. Anytime you invite us into your story, it is because you are making us better. So God, I pray for those who are hopeless this morning. There's some stuff that some people under the sound of my voice have already decided in their heart. They haven't told anybody, but they've already decided to quit some stuff. Maybe there's some stuff that they need to walk away with, but God, you know the one or two things that they're trying to walk away from that you're not done with yet. And I pray that you would give them the faith to hang on in there and to be motivated to continue to push and to pray because while they might be done, you're not done. God, we thank you ultimately for your son Jesus because it is your sending him as a bundled up baby in Bethlehem that is a message to the world that you're not done with us. No matter how sinful we've been, no matter how many times we've turned our back on you, no matter how many times, God, we are disobedient, you sending Jesus as a bundled up baby in Bethlehem is not just about us behaving. It's about us learning how to be loved by you. God, help us to hold on, to have hope even when it seems hopeless. God, we thank you. We love you. We worship you. We praise you. We pray this in Jesus' name, who is our hope. It's in his name we pray. Amen. If you are a guest 